No, Matt, you're good. And we've started. <laughs> it is uh, Monday, September 18th, and it is an agenda-free Monday. Isn't that right, Matthew? Hell yeah. There we go. Matt talking in his loudest voice as normal as he's... <laughs> is, it, is it loud? Well, you know, I can't say it's super loud. Do I, do I need to speak louder? Oh, I made adjustments on my end. I'm I'm the master of all things soundboards here. So you're welcome, Matthew, for that. But <laughs> it is uh, our jumping off point for today as I play another little sound clip. We will start with this, and then we also have to introduce a very special guest for the show. But we'll start with the clip for all you users out there listening. From last Sunday night. So, Matt, because you can't hear right now that, we just ended with Chris Collinsworth uh, almost, you know, making a mess in his pants because of how close Cole Strange got to uh, the first down mark. So that's our jumping off point today. Matt, how are you doing? Uh, mediocre, thanks. How about you? Peachy, thank you so much. (laughs) So we have a a great friend of the show joining today. Uh, None other than Kyle Mansky reporting from uh, 300 Madison, it looks like still, right? You're the hardest working man at PwC. Thank you, my friend. I do what I can for the kids. FGK. (laughs) FGK, LGK. uh, You know how it is. But, you know, it's 730. We're still grinding. And, uh, you know, we're making sweet, sweet music. So. I know you were, you had a, a nice weekend of uh, fun traveling and, and sightseeing, but we will start with uh, the most recent in terms of order of operations here. Sunday night, we had Kenny Chesney ringing the bell in the big Schmenzer last night. I don't know if you saw that, Matt, in the Lighthouse Tower. But that was the Kenny Chesney. I had a, a, uh, a nanny growing up who would always listen to Kenny, Kenny Chesney. That was probably the first artist that... Well, I know Van Halen's not an artist. It's a band. Those two, Kenny Chesney and Van Halen, were the first two things I was listening to as a kid when I was like four. But anyway, Kenny, keep going. Kenny Chesney was my first concert. I saw, um, when I was 12, I saw Kenny Chesney Summerfest in Milwaukee Music Festival in 2003. And I don't know how we got free tickets, but... Uh, I think I went with my dad, and it was an amazing show. But, yeah, Kenny Chesney was the first concert I ever went to. I've not been to many in my lifetime. I actually just saw Zach Brown Band this past weekend. I'm very jealous. How was the show? Uh, it was great. Uh, credit Jacob Novick for for getting these seats. He uh, he was well prepared. Uh, no, it was cool. It was out in uh, in Long Island, so I don't venture out there too much, but... No, it was a good it was a good time, but much better time than uh, what the true Patriot fans had to experience last night with <laughs> Cole Strange at first getting the first down on a fourth and four, which would have continued the game. But I don't think that really it shouldn't have come down to that, Matt, because you know and I know the Patriots of old would have capitalized off of two things. They would have capitalized off of special team the greatest special teams coach of all time bill belichick drawing drawing up a play for brendan schooler 
how they've yeah, never thought up uh, a guy coming in motion on special teams before in 103 years of NFL football well, is beyond me. No. But you know the Patriots of old would have ran play action, we'll hit Gronk down the seam for 30 yards, or then we have a throwback trick play screen to James White who gets tripped up at so, the two, and then they punch it in and boom, touchdown. 90 seconds later, they're right back in the game. But instead, fraud Mac Jones throws a pick on that play. And then, you know, the other time they would have cashed in is when the rookie lockdown assassin Christian Gonzalez picks off Tua guarding Tyree Kill. You know the Patriots of old would have cashed in on that. They got zero points off of those two huge momentum plays. Okay, so I know you're, you're trying to trying to get me to go off on Mac Jones. But uh, <laughs> quick, quick aside, um, that, that field goal block, I've actually seen that happen in person before. Not on a field goal, but on a punt. When I was in Seattle, it was a Seahawks-Cowboys game back in 2014. This is with the Legion of Boom. This is Tony Romo and DeMarco Murray and Des Bryant. Ooh, Jim. Uh, I was in Seattle. Yep, it was him. Um, Dallas was kind of – they're punting at probably their own 10. And, um, and what Seattle did was they had Doug Baldwin and they had him out as a gunner, and then they had him come screaming off the side as a gunner before the snap, just like Brendan Schooler did, and then timed the snap perfectly, and he blocked the punt for a touchdown. So I've seen it before, not on a field goal. That was the first time I've ever seen it as a field goal. You usually see the guy running. You see the Jamie Collins running up the middle on the block or something like that, yep. timing the snap. But I saw it. I've seen it before on a punt. So that's – I mean, it's new on a field goal, but that's not like – a totally novel concept. It's uh, it's something that I've seen. Um, oh, Chris Olave got me a catch. Okay, cool. All right. Um, so yeah, that was that was something I've seen before, just never on a field goal. So it, it has happened before. Right, and, and of course Belichick is the one to you know come up with that, and I know he gets his rocks off with special teams. Well, you know why you know why it worked was because um, it was Jake Bailey the holder, the holder. right? And so they knew. They knew Jake, obviously they know Jake Bailey because he's the punter for the Patriots, but they knew his mannerisms during a field goal, like him holding, because they know that he like turned his head and exhaled or something like that right before the snap. Yep. And so that was the, that was the tell to know when the snap was imminent. imminent. That's a big word for me. Um, yes, it is. And, uh, and so that's, that's why they, I, that's why they, they were able to actually execute it and, and make it work like that. He, I was surprised. Schooler could have like overrun that. He, he got in there. He got in there cleaner than I've ever seen anybody else on a field goal block before. I, I, I agree. He, I, he I, came off. I was like, wow. Clean off the edge. He came screaming off the end. Um, they obviously didn't score. Mac had that. That was probably his worst. That was one of the worst picks I've seen him throw on yeah. that drive. Now they got lucky. They went. Uh, Miami went three and out the next drive, and then the Patriots ended up scoring a touchdown the following drive. But so rewinding like... 30 seconds, though, when I saw Kyle Duggar, because Kyle Duggar, if he didn't get tackled, he could have taken that for a touchdown. And I immediately thought, uh, if they don't get a touchdown here, they're going to be wishing that somehow it was a scoop and score. Because that, for whatever right, reason, their is more... Is yeah, their special teams and defense impotent. can produce more offense than their, than Mac Jones can. And for a while, I did think there was a chance that Zappi would get in because, like, okay, I know you're a, an adamant Mac Jones defender, but he can't get any 
And again, that pick came on a throw to the right, Matt. For whatever reason, I think they broke down his mechanics last week too. He can't get any juice on a ball to his right. Right, but uh, I don't think he was n- nearly at the top of the list of any other problems last night. Um, I mean, Zappy would have gotten out. absolutely killed. But they, I, I, I don't think so. Time. Bill Belichick even said they have a ton of skill position players. So you have Kendrick, you have Kendrick Bourne, Devontae Parker, Demario Pop Douglas. Um, yeah, who played so much. Poo Poo Smith Schuster. Okay, so the game came down to, um, I think, they, Mac Jones not able to get the ball into the end zone, especially off of big momentum plays. This happened against Philadelphia too. They got down in Philadelphia territory. At, inside the 30, like, five times, and they couldn't cash in. So they can't score touchdowns when they need to. And then it also I came down to— three times they scored. But it also and came, then I remember, I remember one time where he, he put the ball right where it needed to be on a fourth down, and the guy couldn't put his foot down Okay, but, because they have so many weapons. Uh, name the amount of times that they almost started in— that, or that they did, they did start the drive in Philadelphia territory. But And then it came down uh, to Belichick's stupid ego again. Well, 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 I have to bench a rookie because he fumbled the ball, and that's what we do here. He's the only guy. He was the only guy who could separate. And he's the only guy. No one else in that offense can create yards after catch. You don't Every, have like, Tom Brady anymore. You cannot afford to bench guys like this. You can't. No, he was there. He's he and I. You know, he, it's a long way to go. But I like the profile of Douglas too because. Does he not remind you of that, like, Wes Walker, Troy Brown, Julian Edelman? I'm not saying he's as good as those players, but he has that kind of same profile of receiver, right? He's smaller, shiftier, slot receiver guy who gets open quick. Like, that's, like, that's the type of receiver the Patriots offense, like, thrives on. And so they just take that away, and then they put Smith-Schuster in that role, and he's obviously not 100%. His knee's shot. And, like, they, you know... And you saw everything was their longest play of the game on offense was an 18 yard run by Mac Jones. Yeah. Kyle on third and 15. Demario Douglas, Smith Schuster. What do you have to say? Well, the problem is still at quarterback. You, you can get, you can say what you want about Mac Jones, but if you want me to be honest, Mac Jones, he is who he is. He's a good quarterback who could have a decent NFL career. You know who is very similar to like that? We have a friend who is obsessed with this type of quarterback who is a good quarterback that has a decent career and he's been around for a while. Yeah, Kirk Cousins. Kirk right. Cousins. He could, be, he could be a point guard. He's, he's going to so, distribute. Yeah. So, so like Kirk Cousins, how is Kirk Cousins successful? It's not just him. It's the pieces around him. And more importantly, even though it struggled kind of this year and last year with the Vikings, the offensive line. So I, I see the same issue. The, I watched the Patriots the were on their third tackle, and they had Calvin Anderson on the other side. If you watched, it was just an absolute mess the whole time. So, so you're putting Mac Jones in a position to fail. If you have a depleted offensive line and really no weapons to work with, and Juju Smith-Sucher is, is a head case, like that, that's in a position to fail. And Bill O'Brien is... This, this is his first year back, right? Yep. Yep. Okay, so it, it it's week two. The first three weeks are an extended preseason of the NFL. It's going to take time for 
teams to develop. Uh, for, for you, Matt, I would not worry. What I short term this season, it is what it is. You got to work with Mac Jones. You got your talent short term. Long term, though, if you're thinking about the future, even though it's week two, if I was Robert Kraft, hey, I wish, but oh well. Why for, the, for those Kraft, massages down south that Kraft gets? <laughs> I would wait for Belichick to break. He's going to break Don Shula's record. When he breaks Don Shula's record for the winningest coach, he's going to break it. He, he in New, in New England. Kraft learned his lesson when he let Brady go to Tampa Bay. He learned his lesson. I don't want guys breaking records. He doesn't want that ha to happen to Belichick. He doesn't want to have a sour relationship to happen. And Belichick breaks Don Shula's record on a different team and gets ownership. He doesn't want to make that mistake. So. Belichick's going to break the record. And then I would have an honest discussion like, hey, are you motivated or are you thinking about retirement? If you don't want to retire, what about giving up the GM position? Because Belichick as your GM has killed you for the past three, four years, as talented as he is. I know he had Brady, Andrew, and you could say the offensive weapons, but a lot of the weapons that Bill drafted, he really didn't develop. It was a lot of crap shoots. Uh, such as Gronk, Aaron Hernandez, Wes Welker. Yeah. Julian Edelman was what? A sixth, seventh round pick. Like seventh how round many pick and they didn't gonna... they didn't know what position he was gonna play. Yeah. Exactly. I a think of, of all those of all those guys you listed, I think the one that they actually targeted and actually gave any sort of resources for was was Welker. I know Gronk was a second round pick as well, but they traded a second round pick to Welker. I think it was an offer sheet actually. He's a restricted free agent. If I was, I might be wrong on that. But but he was the one guy that they actually identified and went out and and, and spent real capital on. I know Randy Moss they traded for, but that was like a fourth round pick distressed asset. So that's the other thing is they're not they're not willing to extend themselves for an AJ Brown or a Tyree Kill or that sort of thing when it's clear they. They need that sort of threat. But that, that's the thing. And two things I want to jump off of with, with Kyle, too. The first thing is, at the pace that Belichick is going right now, Don Shula is three years away, not two. So if it, it let's say it's three years away, that means three years of probably at no playoffs. Three years away. <laughs> What's, like, I, I can't imagine Robert Kraft being okay with three more down years. The second thing is, with a roster, I agree. Belichick is the GM is doing a poor job. However, as poor of a job that he's doing, this is still a much better team than it was in 2020 and a much better team than it was in 2019, Brady's last year. So you think, okay, well, you're giving Mac Jones, I think, a decent amount of help. At least you have two above, well above average tight ends, Gesicki, Hunter Henry. And I think you have, you know, I, even going back to 2021, it's like, oh, we signed Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar. Well, Kendrick Bourne's worked out a decent amount, and Belichick's ego got in the way of Demario Douglas, like we said, the, the most you know, productive player on New England's offense. You sign Ezekiel Elliott. You think you have a really good... If you have such a great running back, Ramondre Stevenson, and you have all these different pieces, well, you know, at some point, Mac Jones, I think, does need to step up to the plate. I think, like... Mac, this is enough for Mac Jones. Like, I don't think you can come out of this year and be like, well, we're still unsure about Mac Jones because he doesn't have enough help. I think this is enough I, help to get a good read on Mac Jones. This is not throwing to Nikhil Harry and Demir Bird anymore. 
These are well, definite NFL pro receivers at this point. I don't think you can argue that. And definitely really good tight ends. And now your offensive line's coming back. And then the last thing I want to jump off of Kyle's point and let you go, Matt, is you said the Patriots are okay or like they'll be fine. And that this is this is not an ex- you can't treat the first four games as an extension of the preseason anymore. You could under Brady. In fact, Belichick loved having these types of games where you sporadically lose one in Detroit and you start off the season two and two because you'd be confident every year that you'd rattle off eight wins in a row or nine out of the next eleven or something like that, and then you'd finish twelve and four and everything would be fine and you'd have a little character building test at the beginning of your season. It would rally the troops, but you had Tom Brady. Now you can't go 0-2 in your first two games, both in New England, okay? So two home games, lost both, one score games, and it came down to the offense not being able to get it done in the end. I'm actually very impressed by New England's defense and special teams. You know, the special teams we laugh about with Brennan School and all that. But in terms defensively, Tua put up 470 yards against Los Angeles the week before. And Jalen Hurts, you know, look at the Super Bowl performance that he had. It was incredible in a loss, too. And New England's defense shut them down. They were getting stops. They were getting momentum plays. It's like, think about this, too. We talked about the schooler blocked field goal and Gonzalez's interception as momentum plays. Think about Philadelphia the week before. Jabril Peppers forced a huge fumble in Philadelphia territory. Those are those where you're as an offense. I don't care if... You know, whatever. Mac Jones needs to get it done or Bill O'Brien needs to dial up something besides, you know, a screen to a trips at the at the top of the formation. But get something where you're like, all right, now we're going to go get a chunk play. That's something that I think Josh McDaniels was so good at getting momentum off of momentum plays. Like, those are three just off the top of my head. I'm like, wow, they couldn't capitalize. What? Yeah, but I, I, I was just going to say, I understand he does have – it's better than – the receiving core is better than Demir Bird and Nikhil Harry, yes. <laughs> but that's, I mean, we could put Joe Spinoza with a plate in his ankle out there, and that, that might be better. Um, <laughs> so right now, like, I mean, yeah, they have they have a bunch of twos and threes, but they still don't have anybody that's going to separate. And there's no one that the defense is looking at and saying, we have to take him away. We have to shade a safety over to him. We have to look at what the Patriots did with the, the Dolphins last night. You saw at the beginning of the game, Chris Collins was like, there are three safeties 20 yards off the line of scrimmage right now because there's Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill over there. There's so much speed on that offense. They have legit all-pro talent out there um, between their two receivers. And that opens up – that makes Tua's life so much easier. And Tua's offensive line wasn't great last night either. He didn't have Teron Armstead out there, and it was – you know, you would think that they would they would be able to generate some sort of pass rush off that, but they're getting the ball out so quick because he had these wide open throws and and McDaniel, Mike McDaniel's they had this whatever the hell it was that jet motion where it was like the there was the guy that did the little spot route in the in the slot and then he had the um, guy running up the sideline on that little you know kind of jet motion that made it you know the Patriots pretty much couldn't defend all night and they kept so running that they, slant flat seam or whatever it was right yeah no that that thing out of whatever formation but um the the thing is all these quarterbacks second third year every single one of them and i'm not saying max is going to be as good as josh allen or joe burrow or patrick patrick mahomes or any of these guys but they all have a guy they all had elite talent early on in their career that they got and then they you see these guys turn into the real 
you know, the playmakers that they are now. And the Patriots just have not done that. Devontae Parker is not that. Juju Smith-Schuster is not that right now. He is needing a shot. He's not moving um, right. And, I mean, I like Hunter Henry. I like Gusecki. But those guys aren't the playmakers that we're, you know, we're, we're comparing these other quarterbacks what they have to. And I'm still pissed off at the fact, like, you know, you, you let Jacoby Myers go, who's not, who's not the best receiver in the league, but he's, he is a very good, solid, dependable wide receiver. If he's your second or third receiver, you're doing, you're doing okay for yourself. And he was Max guy. He was the guy I think Mac trusted the most and they let him go and they replaced him with Schuster. So now all of a sudden that takes one, one more guy off the field that you would say, okay, he can depend on. And I think right now he's looking at Hunter Henry as that guy and, and Kendrick Bourne, but I'm looking at last night and I'm saying, Mac has no time. There were plays like that first drive. They, they started moving the ball a little bit. And you saw they're getting the ball out quick because they know their offensive lines a mess, but they're getting the ball out quick. And then all of a sudden they get down to the Dolphins 40 and Cole Strange just totally misses it. A, a blitzing linebacker Mac has no chance it's second and 18 and that's when their their offense is just totally uh stagnant it just stalls out and they they haven't been able to run the ball at all they didn't run the ball against the Eagles they couldn't really run the ball at all against the Dolphins there's no play action Mac's thrown the ball I think Mac has thrown the ball over I think I think it was 95 attempts these first two games just pass attempts that doesn't include penalties and sacks um, so I think it, it'd be over a hundred times. That's a boatload, right? Yeah. Any quarterback dropping back an average of 50 times a game. That's, that's, I mean, you know, Brady, they, can they lose those Tom games, Brady's except Tom if Brady. you're Tom Brady. Yeah. yeah. You're going to, most of those games you're going to lose, but I, I, I unless am... it's Tom Brady, but it's like, everything is on that. Everything's on the quarterback right now to get the ball out quick and be perfect. And they don't, there's no run after the catch. There's nobody who can separate down the field. But Matt, the he's, all, he's not happy in his receivers ball. also. You brought up Cole Strange. That last play, Matt, I don't know if you've watched multiple times or if you have, Kyle. You know that Gesicki got separation on that out route, which Mac drastically mm-hmm. underthrew. Gesicki had to stop in his tracks, which allowed the defender to run into him to make the tackle. Yeah, at, if that at, ball is back, out in front, th- no, no, that's, that's one of those... Oh, let me throw, you know, Edelman Amendola on the out route. You catch it. Yeah, you turn your body up. Field. First off, hit as he's throwing. But he has he, no arm yeah, strength. His arm strength is a problem. It's Mac it's average. It's average. Getting, and if he does, if he can't, it's yeah. average if he can step into it. And if he can't step into it, it's well, well below average. He can't step into it because he's getting hit. <laughs> it's a fo- it's <laughs> yeah, a four no, yard he, out. It's a four yard out. Kyle, can you tell me what you saw in that last play. And tell me if you go back and watch, Mac is literally getting hit as he's. He, you have, he had zero time. There's a linebacker. You have to throw it out. If your O-line's attack, if you're feeling rushed and mental, you can't trust your O-line. You're feeling right. rushed. He's, you have to get well, that yeah. ball ASAP. But is that right. not so like drastically the, underthrown? That, that ball floats out there like is, a kid he, from Foxborough High School is throwing that. Yeah, but he's getting the ball out before. He, if he takes a sack there, you're saying, what the hell is he doing? You can't take a sack there. He's literally throwing it as quick as he can because he's getting immediate pressure in his face. I don't know, do like and weighted other ball exercises he, or something. I There were other times where he, he, I've seen, that was the probably the best Max move like I've seen in his career. Like he was throwing on the run. He had some good throws. He had a throw to his left. He had a throw to his right too to, to Smith-Schuster down to the goal line where he was rolling out, made a throw. He had a throw out of the back of his end zone on like third and 20 where he put it, I mean, if, if, if that was like born or something like that, that might have 
than a completion, but it was to Kaseki, so he's he's slow. But um, they like he was running for his life that game, and he, he was. actually made he was keeping them in that game. It was not he was not. <laughs> I I think best best case no I I think Mac was a neutral in that game he because there are several times like that offense needs to score. And then also every they single no, now, kept, every every deep ball no that he threw, guys. right? But okay, they have, they have no, no big play they, guys. But every deep ball he threw, Kyle, it felt like they had no chance. There's no chance that it was going to be complete. Uh, Those balls hang well, up there. there. There's one down the left sideline toward the end zone of Bourne where it hit off his forearm. <laughs> like he put it right where it needed to be. There was another one toward the sideline to Bourne again, where Bourne, if that was DeAndre Hopkins, he's making that play. Like there's, or I guess if it was maybe Devontae Parker would have made that play too. But there were t- there were definitely times where he put the ball down the field. He also is not throwing the ball down the field that much because he has no time. Or what there's, about that ball against Philadelphia to Kendrick to- Bourne, where Darius Slay is able to make a play on it, and everyone says, "Wee, Darius Slay made a yeah, really no, nice play." That ball was drastically underthrown. That ball got has to be a touchdown. Right, and then there's there's times where like he's throwing off his back foot over the middle on like a third and seven, and he's throwing it into a window where no one is, and he's anticipating it to Devonte Parker, and he, he completes it because he actually has touch and accuracy, and he knows where he's going with the ball. He just, I don't disagree. His arm isn't great, but if you're someone with max enough. skill set, you have to be perfect on every play, make up yeah. for other, def- and he doesn't. He has You're to make up for nice. a terrible offensive line and the fact that he has no one that can separate and make big plays. So he has, it's literally every it's five yard completions all the way down the field. That's no way to operate. He doesn't he doesn't have anybody who can take a little seven yard spot route, make a guy miss, and turn it into a forty yard game. Everything it is all on him a hundred percent of the time. What's and there's what's, no run game either. What's the difference between Mac and Tua? If they switch situations, Tua would struggle as well, where, like, your Mac is like, all right, we'll give you Jalen Waddle and we'll give you Tyreek Hill, and we'll give you a good offensive line. So you'll have time, and you'll have receivers who can make separation and create plays. I mean, I do think Tua right. is better, so I, I think there would be a difference. I, he's, yeah, Tua Matt, is, he sucks. He has a better he's arm. He has a better arm. Tua has a stronger arm, and he he I, he's fine. But I I don't disagree, Kyle. Like if you're, like, yeah, just if we have it. How do we know Mac isn't going to be that good, like that guy? Because we we don't make. So so you, you think it's that either, at the end of the it, season you wouldn't be able to say well you'd you'd have another season where you could say well he wasn't surrounded with enough pieces. The jury's still out. That that's what your take would be. That this is still not enough. I think if you if you put any other quarterback in that situation after a couple of years, you know, you drafted the guy and you're you, you're trying to develop them, and you're looking at that saying, well, they don't have tackles, they don't have NFL tackles, they have Trent Brown, and that's it. And everybody else is just kind of a a four A player, and then they don't have like a number one guy, and they've gone through three offensive coordinators. You're saying they have managed this situation poorly. And this is not a um, this is not a long term, uh, you know, so this I'll, is not the way to, to bring a quarterback. Up. I'll ask you some so. leading questions then, because I'll, I'll, I'll take what you're saying is is fact. Right. All right. So end of the season comes. We're saying that these skilled players aren't enough. Offensive line was in shambles. OK, good. Got it. Whatever. Team goes six and eleven. 
now what? We're not blaming Mac Jones. We say, all right, let's give him another chance. But then you, who, who are you pointing at? You look at Bill Belichick. Is he, this goes back to what Kyle yep. said a few minutes ago. So is Bill Belichick done after six and 11 season? Uh, he should be. Yeah. They, well, the, the major, the, it's Bill's drafting, but there's also blame on Kraft too, because they're not, they're not, there's a budget. <laughs> and the budget's clearly not at the top of the league. Well, well they just and spent $250 million saw- on a brand new lighthouse. And a giant Schmenzer. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I like the, and I think that it's, it's, you need, you need a real tackle and you need a number one wide receiver. Those are two players. It's, it I makes, I make it sound easy. Like, Oh yeah, you just need those two players. Obviously it's difficult to find elite level players at the, you know, those positions because those are premium positions. But um I look at it and say, if you find those two pieces and you give Mac like a legitimate offensive line and a real number one, and now all of a sudden, or like if you give him Nate Solder a tackle, right? We agree Nate Solder was like a B, B plus tackle, yeah. right? He was dependable. He was healthy. He was out there all the time. He might not have been a perennial pro bowler, but he was good enough. And he was going to be a whole hell of a lot better than wherever they had last night. You had that, and then you gave him some sort of number one wide receiver, Stephon Diggs, A.J. Brown, Tyreek Hill, something like that. Then it's like, okay, if he's struggling then, then you can you can legitimately say he's a uh, he's a bust. Yeah. He's not going to work. All right, I want I, I want to pick this up after the break. With. Matt, our Zoom meeting is about to end, but we'll just rejoin. So we'll we'll call this a quick commercial break. Just rejoin the zoom link and i think they just hopped off as i was giving this commer- look at me i'm i'm just the master facilitator right here so we'll be rejoining after a word from our sponsors that we don't have but that's okay who cares so it's just me i'm not even going to commercial break you'll just get to enjoy listening to me talk We know I'm right. You know what everyone says. I'm always right. And we are waiting now for Matt and Kyle to rejoin the program here with our jumping off point still being, does Mac Jones have enough? And with that, it appears that Kyle is officially rejoined. Kyle being much more punctual than Matt is, of course, as Matt probably got distracted watching uh, another episode of Family Guy. We got you, Matt. Were you watching Family Guy, Matt? (laughs) Yep. All right. So we're. Taysom Hill got stuffed at the five. <laughs> so I am. I, I do want to wrap. Yeah, go ahead, Kyle. Go. Before I wrap up, what do you, what do you expect for week three at the Meadowlands against the Jets? You're facing, uh, you're facing Zach Wilson, but this is a very good defense. 
very good special team, good at good weapons on running back, wide receiver. Now the only issue is the offensive line. But what is your expectation for of Mac Jones and the Patriots for Week Three in the Meadowlands? I'll go quick. They, they win thirteen to zero. Zach yeah, Wilson will gonna, look like This nothing. is going to be like a sixty-nine game, and and uh, Zach Wilson is going to throw like four picks or something like that because that's how. It- yeah, no, but you're you're totally right, Kyle. Like on the whole fact that the Jets' defense is really good, so I don't think the Patriots will be able to move the ball. I actually think that there's a chance. New England's defense and special teams scores more points than their offense does this week. Is yeah, that is that I mean, that wild of a take? Yeah, but once again, the defense can only do so much. If your offense can't make explosive plays, like the the defense, you're just going to run out of stamina. Uh, three and outs, getting sacked, short drives, like that just exhausts the defense. You can you can only do so much as a good defense if your offense can't get a five, six-minute drive, even three points, give your defense a rest. Well, there's going to just be punts galore regardless <laughs> because the Jets aren't going to be doing shit either. <laughs> no, it's true. And, and, you know, the, and this was – I think we talked about this a little bit last week, or at least Felger and Maz did. That's why that loss last night against Miami kind of hurt a lot. Because now you're 0-2. Kyle, imagine this scenario. New England wins, 1-1. Now you go into the Jets, Zach Wilson, who Bill Belichick owns. That's 2-1. Now you're 2-1. That's a whole different outlook on the season. Now it's, shit, we're 0-2. We have to win against, you know, the Jets and Zach Wilson. Now, okay, finally, we're 1-2. And And then I think it's like Dallas, you know? And right. then, then it's... The, the, yeah, that looks problematic. Uphill, this is an uphill <laughs> battle. At least with a win, a, a win against Miami or Philadelphia, take your choice, could have led to a 2-2 two and two start. So now it's just an uphill battle. I will say defensively, the Patriots, if they're healthy, like last night, I think they ran into trouble because both Jonathan Jones and Marcus Jones ended up, you know, Jonathan Jones was out and Marcus Jones left the game early. And so that changed everything on how they were going to defend Tyree Kill and, and Waddle. And I think that let the Dolphins move the ball pretty easily up and down the field, like you saw, right? They were literally just daring Miami to beat them underneath, and Miami took it most of the time. So if they if they come out with their if their defense is healthy and they come out with their full fleet of corners, I think they, regardless of who they play, like we saw Andrew, we saw on against the Eagles, like their defense can uh, can make things difficult for most offenses and hold them to the low twenties. Now the problem is obviously offensively they just can't move the ball right now because their offensive line is a mess. And I, I trust my the- I trust Miles Bryant to do well against the Jets. Like the Jets right. is with Zach well, Wilson. Yeah, is because he, atrocious. all he has to do is catch the ball. That's all that he had because Zach Wilson is going to throw him one or four. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Like he, all he has, all they have to do is catch the football, and I think they'll be fine, and they should win. I was expecting him to go one and three, at, at you know, realistically at the start, um, just based on their schedule. I think zero and four is just catastrophic. I thought two and two would have been good. Obviously, three and one, four and zero, oh, I would have been uh, a whole different discussion. But one and three, just based on how they played the last few years, is I thought that was realistic, and I they. This is a must win. 
Yeah, and that's if what it seems this, like right now. That then it's like then I'm I will be showing up against the Saints in Week Five uh, with a bag over my head and a fire bill. <laughs> um, well, yeah. is that how Kyle was feeling after a Packers one point loss? Did you have uh, you know the bag over your head at that point? Tell us about that little uh, your rendezvous down in Atlanta. The Panthers yeah. have some hot chillers. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I took a day trip to Atlanta yesterday. I've done this before. I did this last year to go to Fenway Park. Hung uh, out with Future. The for the yes, yes, for a day. So I took a seven thirty AM flight uh out of LaGuardia to Atlanta. Uh I went with uh, Andrew, our friend Jeff. Yep, yep, yeah, I know yeah. Jeff. Yep. Yep. So I, we, I went with, with our friend Jeff and uh, it's very opposite as in like he got to the airport early. He's like, hey, 6 a.m. I'm here. How about you? I'm like, oh, crap. I just woke up. So taking my time, got to the airport at like 6.50 when they started boarding and like just made it. Uh, just made it on time. But I don't know, surprising or not, like taking my time and making it right before like final call to the Delta? airport. I have only flown Delta. Now, this is not an advertisement, but I have only <laughs> flown Delta the past four years. They're the only airline to go nonstop to Milwaukee from LaGuardia and also nonstop from Boston to Milwaukee. So if anyone either from Boston or the Boston area is like, hey, I need to get out of here. Where could we go for a nice vacation? Milwaukee, Delta is one of the airlines that goes nonstop. Matt and I are going to be up there. Milwaukee's at the top of my list for places to go. Matt, Matt, <laughs> set your hinge location to Milwaukee right now. Especially in, like, November. <laughs> we'll, we'll go to a Packers game and we'll drop you off at a bar and see what happens. I am sure I'm going to do great. Um, oh, you know what? Actually, wait, let me look at the Celtics schedule. Oh, yeah, keep going. Yeah. All right, so I took a 7.30 a.m. flight. Um, on the flight down, there wasn't much to watch because it was 7.30, 8 a.m. So I watched the ultimate hype movie that got me, that gets me ready for anything, Space Jam. I decided to watch, I watched Space Jam at 7.30 in the morning. Isn't it crazy? With LBJ? Or or No, 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 with Michael. Okay. Isn't it crazy that LeBron went to the Lakers purposely to make Space Jam 2? He did, yeah, and like, uh, to be to be reason. closer to China too is is what I heard. <laughs> and that that when that came out, that was like one of the worst movies of twenty twenty one. Space Jam two. I'm like, that's why you came to the Lakers to the West Coast to make Space Jam two. Yeah, he's uh, he's lost it. Poor guy. Oh well, he's doing okay. Took the flight down. We took an Uber. Uh, to Mercedes-Benz Stadium, which is a beautiful stadium. That is, Mercedes-Benz is number 21 out of the 30 NFL stadiums I've been to. 21 of 31? Uh, well, there's 30 because yeah. the Chargers, uh, Rams play at SoFi, and then Jets, Giants play at that dump MetLife, which is like the worst stadium in my opinion. New Jersey's so nice. Have you been to MetLife? I've driven by. That's all I need. Good. I That's I mean, all you need to see. That's it. I feel like MetLife is like 
equally as annoying to get to as Foxborough, except Foxborough is uh, in uh, not in New Jersey. That's 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 one redeeming quality over MetLife. Yeah, it has but, a really really cool layhouse. But 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 MetLife didn't didn't have a CBS scene. They didn't no. have a CBS scene restaurant. Kyle, who was that guy that you took a picture with in Atlanta? Oh, oh, I, let me tell you about that. So as I'm getting there, I get into, I get into an Uber and uh, we're like, there's like a tailgate area. So I'm like, Jeff, like, let's just walk around. And he's like, um, he's like, okay. And then I went up to this random uh, tail group that was tailgating. And I just said, I just went up to them randomly. And I'm like, hey, what are you cooking? What are you making? And he's like, uh, some burgers. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. That's great. And then I just kept standing there awkwardly. And he's like, uh, do you want anything to eat? Do you want anything? I'm like, yeah, I'm starving. I was on a 7.30 a.m. flight. I'm hungry. And uh, the guy was super nice. He's like, yeah, come on over. He like lies in the gate. He's like, yeah, come on over. You can join our tailgate, our barbecue. So we had some burgers, some salad, some tequila shots. And I got to meet Hell yeah. family, extended family. Uh, the guy who I was standing next, he moved to Atlanta, but he's originally from Detroit. He's a, so he was a Lion season ticket holder. And then he moved to Atlanta right after the famous 0-16 season for the Lions. Wow. So he moved down. And now ever since he moved down, him and his whole family are Falcon season tickets holders. So I got to talk to the family got to get to know them and then right after i was like um jeff was like oh we should go and i'm like oh this tailgate's great he's like no we should probably go in i'm like okay and i thank the guy so much like hey thank you so much i was like can i get a get a photo with you he's like sure so i got a photo with him and um uh jeff kept calling him the grill master and i was like uh can i get your business card he's like yeah sure so i got his business card i was like all right thanks so much man and I gave him a hug, and then we uh, went on our way uh, inside the stadium. Um, Mercedes-Benz Stadium is amazing. And the greatest thing about it, besides the view, you have, like, the Jumbotron, Circle Jumbo, Jumbotron, similar to SoFi. Yeah. The food prices. Beer was $8. Holy crap. $8 for a beer. How many did you get through? Um, I think I had... Four or five. So not as good as uh, as our Texas Rangers game. No, well, well, that was all inclusive. (laughs) Like that was, I had, I don't even remember how much because honestly, after like Texas Live and then getting home, I don't remember much. Matt Matt overdosed on beers on our trip to Foxborough. How many many drinks do you think I had that day Sunday? (laughs) Oh my god. Oh, I think I think I'd have a good maybe fifteen. Yeah, it it was. I'll tell I'll tell that story when we when we get to uh, when we talk about our trip trip to see the uh, lighthouse. But Kyle, continue. What what I want to know is when I got there, there were a lot of Packer fans. There were a lot. There were more Packer fans like than it. Falcon fans, which I don't know. They're the Falcons, uh, so I actually actually those people who at the tailgate. They were at the 28 to three Super Bowl. I was like, where yes. were you? And they said, we attended that game. We were at the game. And the guy told me, he's like, 
I was looking at flights, changing my flights because I was going to take an earlier flight to Atlanta, go to the parade, rally. And I, he like he's he booked it in like he changed his flight in the fourth quarter. Holy crap. And then as he kept looking, he's like, uh, what do I do? What do I do? <laughs> and he just said the whole plane ride. And right after the 28 to three game was so depressing. Yeah, I could have met Matt had a hell of a time because he was there, too. And Deshaun Watson just got picked. Yeah, Matt's distracted. But uh, and it was a so, pick six. So what, he just so threw what, a pick six. Pay on her. Yeah. So, so, but what I what surprised me was the stadium didn't sell out at all. There were a lot of empty seats near where I was sitting, and you could see the Falcons do a good job of all their seats are red. So you think like on TV that there was our fan, but it's a lot of empty seats. And the question I have for both of you is, is this just because the Falcons are the Falcons, they have no history, or does the NFL have an attendance problem that except for teams like the Packers, the Patriots, the Steelers, the Cowboys, 49ers, like these big teams, that a lot of these other teams, if you go to a Jaguars or if you go to a Panthers, a Commanders or a Chargers game, a lot of these teams don't sell out and NFL has an attendance problem now. Um, I mean, I think I it's think, just because they suck. Yeah, no, I think Atlanta's just notoriously terrible, terrible pro sports town. And the other ones you listed, like LA, uh, they just like, that's like a transplant city, like Carolina, um, Jacksonville. Like, why is there a team in Jacksonville? Yep. Like, actually, um, you know, some of those, and you, you listed off about eight teams there and you could say, okay, the Jets and the Giants and the Bills and the Patriots and the, the Packers and the Vikings, I think, sell out. And I know that the Lions season tickets are, are sold out now. And like, you know, if you put a good product on the field and you're in a, a quality sports town, you'll you'll sell out. I think I think it's just the um Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah I think it's a uh you know, I think it's just a it's a city by city thing. I don't think it's yeah. related to the NFL necessarily. I agree. I don't think there's a problem. I I just think it's like Matt said, those are not the best either sport towns and then their teams are also really bad. So I know the Falcons got your Packers. I think the only thing I saw of that game is uh, a Jordan Love butt false start where he just, you know, uh, he, he just went right into that ass. Right, Matt? That was, mm -hmm. that was tough, but to, <laughs> but to defend him, that was a very similar to the butt fumble. Yeah. The Mark Sanchez butt fumble. But that moment it's, you know, it's a young QB who's still who's still learning. And this is his first time in an indoor environment where the pressure is on. Trying to do a silent trying to do a silent count, communicate with his offense. And there was miscommunication there, but that was one of a couple mistakes he made. I thought for Jordan Love's expectation and what I expected for him, I thought he had a really good game. He had a couple bad passes. One or two that should have been um, that should have been picked, but but he threw. I want to say he threw he threw two touchdowns. Um, he he looked well for what I expected. Yep. What I expected him to do, he did a very good job. 
The Packers issue was that fourth quarter is once again, as we talked about with the Patriots, your defense can only do so much in the offense. The offense is like, hey, I need you to make a drive. Kill five, six minutes. Even if you get a field goal, you're still killing time off the clock. Yep. And what happens? The Falcons are going to respond. They're going to punch you back in the face. Like, all right, we got a, we got a touchdown here. What are you going to do? Go three and out. Give the ball back. Be John Robinson having a great game, and he's going to be really good. The Falcons have a good run game. We're going to run it off, kill off four or five minutes, kick a field goal. Ball goes back to love. What happens? Another three and out drive and because A.J. Dillon, nice guy, but he is who he is. He's a power running back that can only go inside the tackles. You can't do slacks, slants, or go anything out. You give him the ball. He trips on himself third and one. Third and one, he trips on himself. Yeah. And he is who he is. Like, I accept it. I can't get frustrated. So, regardless, like, you can't get frustrated over Jordan Love when, like, these are realistic expectations. It's like having an intern and telling them to do manager things. Like, all right, you're going to tell an intern, like, you're going to run a budget. That's unrealistic. Yeah. That's unrealistic expectation. Um, and with Jordan, too, like, this is a learning, growing year for him. There's going to be tough games like this where you're up by 12 and they end up losing by a point because um, there's deficiencies on the team. And if you're good, if you're a good quarterback, like I know Andrew would disagree, like a Patrick Mahomes or a top-tier quarterback, top-tier quarterbacks, and Rodgers was very good at this and also far, top-tier good quarterback will hide a lot of deficiencies and flaws of the roster. Yeah. So Patrick Mahomes is amazing, but their defense is very bad. But a good quarterback can get away with that. Or mediocre wide receivers, they can cover some holes. Jordan Love is a young QB. He's learning. He's going to have tough moments like this where, hey, even though if it's a week two loss, he's going to learn. And I'm hoping week 12 or 13 when games matter, those same mistakes aren't going to happen quite. But after this game, Two things I two things I learned. One, Matt LaFleur, he's not a good coach. Matt LaFleur is the type of guy who gets a job because he knows someone instead of actually knowing things. He's a great schemer. He's a great at developing plays, but he's terrible at managing the clock and big game situations. And multiple times this happened. Brady in the NFC Championship game, a big play moment. What happened? Instead of going for a touchdown, you kick the field goal. Yeah, He's so finesse and so soft. Any physicality or challenge and being outschooled by Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers, he just gets scared and goes away. I'm like, you got to be physical. you got to punch back. You can't just hide in a box and be scared. I, yeah, I I like Matt LaFleur. That's the thing, though. and and Because those are the things like where – I think Belichick actually still does well is whether it's like clock management or understanding like, so yeah, Belichick at his stage and his age, if he is in the big game, I trust him more than a Matt LaFleur, but over the course of a 17 game season and scheming up offense and developing a quarterback, I'd rather have Matt LaFleur to do that. So I think the little things I, I would still hold out hope for Matt LaFleur. Like, I feel like that's something you know, unless you're Andy Reid, you'd be able to fix your clock sense and time management. No. 
But I don't know. At least I'd rather have him who's able to develop a, a Jordan Love and make him look good, and he throws three touchdowns. But, you know, I think, I mean, looking at it, right, like a fourth quarter, you can't let the Falcons outscore you whatever it was, 13 nothing. Yep. Like that, that you can't have. Like the Falcons aren't a fighting team. Like that is what you're saying. If you go down, you score one field goal, and you burn four minutes off the clock or five minutes, like that's something where they just go whimpering and roll over. You know, they're not yep. a strong team. And, you know, I think the NFC North, though, so, I again, you, I actually don't think have anything to worry about with the Packers. Like, it's, you know, one and one, and it's not like it's a division loss or anything like that. So, um, I mean, he looks good, and you have a good offensive-minded head coach. So, I think that, He's, yeah. And that game, too, we were out. We were without four offensive guys. Aaron Jones, hamstring injury. He didn't play. Our that's our MVP of the offense. The ball goes to Aaron Jones. If Aaron Jones does well, the offense does well. He's so NFL running backs today. They have to be receiving options as well. If he gets the ball and he's able to get through the initial line of scrimmage, he can use his speed to get five and ten more yards, or sprint past the linebacker, or one or two moves to get past the the safeties, the secondary, and there's there's more right there, like. He can do that. David Bakhtiari, great tackle, great offensive lineman. He was out. Alton Jenkins, our two best linemen, out. And finally, Christian Watson, who's our number one wide receiver, out with a hamstring injury. So I get from LaFleur's point, it's like, it's week two. It's a long season. There's no point in dominating now, trying to be the best team when all you just want is you want to just get into the playoffs and you want to be the best team by December, January. So it's still a growing process. And my still my expectations are the same for the Packers, which are this team and roster is good enough to A, win 10 games, B, win the division, and C, win a playoff game. If they can do those three things, and there's no reason this team roster can't, It'll be a successful year. Yeah. Now, I, I think just looking at that division, right? Like Detroit is looks like they're really good and they can score a lot of points offensively. They do have a good offense. They score a lot and they scored a lot the last ten games of the year last year. I think they're one of the top offenses in the league. Um, and then you look at the Vikings too. Like I think that they still, if they have that Vikings mentality, like that team that was able to beat Buffalo you know, or score a lot of points too. I think if you're a team that has the luxury of, oh, we're just going to throw it to like Justin Jefferson here and he's going to make a play and we're going to score offense and it comes easy to you, then I think you still got to fear teams like that or in a sense, like they're not going to roll over. Like I think whether it's like the Packers or the Patriots, if scoring offense, you have to be so like, you know, methodical and, you know, things aren't easy and you have to be perfect and you have to string together a 9-10 play drive. Like, this isn't, you know, it's not like Peyton Manning or Tom Brady, who that's their forte, is putting together long drives and killing you that way and taking up half the quarter because they know, okay, well, we can run two plays here and if we get to a third and four, that's fine because we know we'll just pick up the third and four. Like, it's easy. It's stuff like that, but I don't know. Yeah, I think the Packers are good. I just think it's that that is a hard division. Just like the AFC East is, I think, 
pretty damn hard. Each team has their flaws. The Viking, the Vikings. What's great about the NFL and what's what's good and bad about the NFL is that every single year is different. The Vikings, I believe, were ten and one last year in one possession games, and now they've lost two. They're only they two. Negative. They so point differential. Right, right. So like, there's so much that like. So much can go your way, and then, like, in the next year, like, you get the ball can bounce your way one year, and then next year, like, with the Vikings, two games, both lost by one possession. Yeah. So every single year is different, and the way that Vikings were able to win games last year was a lot of – was very fluky and the ball bouncing. But when the playoffs come, teams eventually show their true color and the real team shows up. Uh, Lions are well-coached team. They're very good. My thing is the defense, and the Bears are the Bears. Like, yeah, it, no, the Bears are the biggest factor. Last week, it, it showed the difference between Justin Fields, Jordan Love, and you can say the same with a Jordan Love and Mac Jones. Is different ways of developing a quarterback, and it's the same of different ways of like work or just anything developing developing someone. You bring someone in, you draft them in. You have them take a couple of years or so, learn the schemes, learn the system, then work their way in. Packers did that with Love. Chiefs did that with Mahomes, where like the Bears and Patriots were like, all right, we're going to throw you in the fire. You're going to figure it out. And like, that's just, a, that's going to, most times, except the Peyton Mannings, who even led the NFL in interceptions his rookie year, most times, like, it doesn't work that way. You can't just throw a guy into a fire and figure it out. At least with Mac Jones, they went to the playoffs. His rookie year. Does, does Matt does Matt sound like a robot to you right now, or is that just me? A little. It's okay. A little bit. I think they Matt's headphones like are dying. But yes, they are. Matt Matt will transition you off of headphones here because I do want to talk about quick before uh, we wrap this up here, which I know, you know, no pun intended for Matt, um, that. We did see, and you won't be able to hear this right now, but the giant light tower. I'm playing the foghorn right now. You probably won't even be giant able to hear it. Schmenzer. Yeah, the giant Schmen- the Schmenzer that Brady built is what I like to call it. So it was massive. Kyle, it was so big. Um, and Matt was even saying that when the Patriots score a touchdown, if they score a touchdown, it even grows 50 feet and uh, shoots out l- laser beams. <laughs> <laughs> so it's still at the original height from uh, last week, right? <laughs> yeah, it didn't yeah. have anything to get too excited about. Nope. And then, and then, uh, you know, when the Patriots give up a touchdown, it goes, <laughs> and then, and then it, it goes just, back it to goes, its, it goes to the side. Yeah, it goes to the yeah, size it, goes, it was last year. It goes to bed. Yeah, <laughs> Matt, you want, you may want to disconnect from your from your headphones for the last couple of minutes because I do have uh, some questions for you here. So Matt and I, we uh, we started off at CBS. Still bad. Yeah, it's still bad. Um, we started off at CBS Scene, which is now called uh, I don't know. It's called something. The Harp. The Harp, or as the Bostonians say, the Hop. Um, I know. I hate the name change. However, we get seated, and um, Matt has a, a he has a fling. I, I guess you could call it with uh, the bartender. The bartender was really into him, and her name was Jordan. Right, Matt? Yes. 
no no further comment from Matt. No comment. <laughs> okay, so yeah, Matt hit it off really well with Jordan. Um, you know, Gainer's living life. Yep. I wonder if uh, Gainer even went back to Jordan and said, "Oh no, Gainer did go up to." So my dad's roommate, um, Mike Gainer. Good These details are important. Good good friend of the show. He went with us to CBS scene last week. Go, 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 go. And he witnessed Matt uh, rizzing hard with Jordan. And so, you know, after. It was like, just put your arm around. (laughs) (laughs) After Matt got that Instagram, (laughs) Mike Gaynor went back again. He went to uh, the Sunday night game last night. So we went to CBS scene again. And he went up to Jordan and he's like, how's Matt doing? And she says, Matt, who? (laughs) <laughs> but we won't discuss any uh any messages that may or may not have been sent Jordan's way over Instagram DMs unless Matt wants to talk about that. No, it wasn't anything bad. No, nothing bad. Any uh any Matt World activities you wanna you wanna debrief on or discuss? No. <laughs> no. Any good girls on hinge you match with? Oh, it's always a rotation. <laughs> I know you were talking about, uh, you know, I think you mentioned a, a Nana earlier in the show, Matt, but uh, Matt has quite the thing with au pairs as well. <laughs> yeah. <a> carpe diem. <laughs> uh, how's your mom doing? His mom works at State Street with him. Nepotism. Yeah. That's why he likes Belichick so much. Because I get on Belichick for nepotism. Hey, his son's doing well. Steve's got the defense running well. Yeah, of course. And Belichick's only going to hire people on defense to help his son out. Yeah. Any uh, any final thoughts as I as I play the uh, exit music right here? Um, I... I need five more points to uh, beat Bianchi right now. All right, Bianchi, hot seat. Kyle, go. Uh, week two, it's a long season, but uh, best team in the NFL right now. I, I just want, just like quick fire, two or three teams. Who do you think are the best teams in the NFL? San Fran, Baltimore looks good. Um, yeah. Top three, Dolphins. Uh, I'll go with Baltimore as well and uh, San Francisco and maybe Dallas. Oh, yeah, Dallas. Yeah, but this, uh, this is the, t- this Philly, is the season when Philly's you... Philly's probably in there somewhere. This is the season when you have to give Dallas its due for, you know, having a good regular season. Kyle, who do you have up there? Um, I would agree. I would go... Um, I would go... I'd probably go Dallas... San Francisco, and then um, I don't think best team in the AFC, probably Baltimore, Baltimore, Kansas City. But it's still week two. It's a long season, a lot of football left. If Buffalo can play the way that they played against, albeit Las Vegas, every single week, then yeah, they're they're going right back up to right back. Did I say Buffalo? You said Baltimore. If Buffalo, yes, can play how they did against Las Vegas every single week, then they're right back to Tier 1. 
Yeah. But I, I think I think Buffalo's overhyped. I might get uh, criticized for this, but I think they're a very overhyped team. I did a whole breakdown today. I watched the All-22 film of their Monday night game against the Jets when they sucked. I'll show you tomorrow in the office, Kyle, if you're in. Um, I'll be in. But, yeah, basically, my, my quick two cents on Buffalo is that, like, they're – Josh Allen, yeah, he he makes and breaks that team, but I think they they try and go for the big play way too often. Just get the ball out of your hands quick and like make the proper decisions. Not you don't always need to like roll around and you know flick your penis as as Matt would say, and then try and hit you know Stephon Diggs for fifty yards every other play. Like no, just hit your running back out of the backfield for four yards and get the drive started. Like it's not it's not that hard. But we can continue this next episode. We'll, Kyle and I will continue this tomorrow in the office. Matt, living his best life in Sudbury. Oh, yeah. And uh, maybe we'll need an episode dedicated just for Matt World and his, uh, his rendezvous. Uncensored. Matt, who are you even afraid that's going to listen to this that would, that would judge you? My mom. <laughs> Hi, mom. <laughs> Matt, Matt, your mom knows about your knows about Matt World, doesn't she? I told I told my parents absolutely nothing. You, you need to bring some of these hinge girls home to introduce no. to your parents, right? Nope. nope. I'm sure your your dad would like it, right? Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Does your dad listen? Nope. I don't right. know if he knows how to get on a podcast. I'll send it to him. Tell him okay. he needs to use the Roku stick. Roku the inside of my ass. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. That is all for today. Thank for you. Kyle, thank, thank you, you again. As always. Yes. All right. 